it going, everybody? This is Isaiah Martinez. Welcome to The Deep End. Today, I have a really special show. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please feel free to go to thedeependpod.com. There you have all of our platforms available. You can follow us on social media. Um, Thank you, guys. I'm trying to continually put out an episode a week. Um, I don't know how long I can maintain that. I'm going to try to be as consistent as possible. Obviously, life happens and things happen. I've been trying to work my way up and be, uh, and be more pro proactive with, uh, my studies and trying to move up the ladder at work. So, um, that's kind of what I've been busy with, but I still have a heart to do this and this is what we're doing. So today we have a special episode. I have a special guest, actually a returning guest who is now a father and a family man since the last, uh, taping that we did. Um, he has, uh, to me helped pioneer Rialto Renaissance, the movement, uh, with his clothing brand, Grimy Dynasty, a philosopher, a scholar, one of the realists I know, Jaime Sansbanes. Welcome to the show, bro. Man, thank you. I appreciate that. It's quite the intro, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, dude. I uh, I really hit up Jaime last minute here. This was uh, a tough episode for me to do single-handedly. I had a lot of pressure to put this out. Um, and Jaime was down to come through, help talk me through this episode yeah. and give his political, um, analysis to, uh, the things that are going on today. So this episode is going to be my political episode and we're going to be talking about what's going on in politics. Um, but bef- before we get into that, um, I wanted to first talk about the last time that we hung out, Jaime, we went to the Laker game, um, not too long ago, which I'm so glad that we took the time to, uh, buy the tickets and organize that. Because we were there for their first W this season. So we got that, you know, to say or that we were there. And I would like to attribute that W to us being there. Am I wrong for that? No, man. I, I honestly, like when I thought about it, I was like, because at the time, you know, we hadn't had no win. We haven't had no win in the preseason. Right. No win in the regular season. And I was like, we're going to the game. You know, Je- shout out to Jesse for organizing it. Shout out um, to Jay. And I was just, you know, it was it was exciting to have the homies with us, and like we had your brother Efren, we had Barlos, exactly. And I, I didn't want it all that to to be ruined with the loss, you know. And I'm like, I know, but I, but I somehow I knew, but I was like, I'm very superstitious, and I didn't want to like like jinx it. But I, I was like, I know if we bring the noise, if we if we bring, bring that the energy, Rialto energy, like exactly that that eye energy, or we don't give a fuck, we're we're, we're gonna. We're going to let loose. I know that we're going to give them that energy to get that win. Yeah, because we were having some bad days, dude. We had we had AD fighting with um, Dwight Howard, you know, like the chemistry. Yeah, what was that about? Yeah, yeah, we we, uh, Westbrook was trying to figure shit out. So it was it was well needed that W that day. You know that when you win, they say that that fixes all 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 problems you know when you win a w so that was heavily needed we were there i did want to talk to the fact that our our car situation uh, we were struggling to find a car to to be able to um take all of us there in one ride and you know how it is like when you split up cars you don't get the same experience you know all of us being able to enjoy each other's company you know clown and all that stuff so it's different when you're riding two cars it just is so we were uh, we were trying to get a person to basically take us in one ride, and Jay, Jay was able to get um, his wife to lend us the car, and we were all packed in that car. But the thing was, it's a small car. So even though it's enough to uh, seat us all, all five of us, it's still kind of tight. The thing that's funny is that we were all struggling 
except for Jaime because of Jaime's size. Jaime was an automatic <laughs> shotgun. Like nobody had to say nothing. Like nobody had to argue about it. Everyone just subliminally knew like Jaime's getting <laughs> shotgun, obviously. So let's t- rule that out. And the rest of us had to like uh, squeeze into this car uncomfortably um, and hold this pose for an hour's worth of drive. Um, so tell me a little bit about Man. that, Jaime. Have you have you experienced that before because of your size? You were more privileged. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel guilty but... every time. Um, I'm still tripping out that Jesse. I don't know if it was because of, I think about it. Like I don't know if it was because Jesse went because I was surprised he he let uh, he wanted Carlos to drive. He went in the back. So I don't know if it was. Um, I think I, he was willing to sacrifice Jesse's for the team. up there with me. You well, because you know to, he's close to me. I'm not gonna lie. So, I, I'm a little bit if, big bone myself. You know, know I'm not he, gonna lie. He had to do with that. And you know, Barlos is to Carlos too. for driving. Yeah, that's a big that's a big commitment to drive. So if you have Carlos and myself in the back seat, that's gonna take up a lot of a lot of equity, uh, a lot of real estate, you know what I mean? And we're not big, big guys, was, but we're was, big. That was an executive decision right there. And so I think Jesse Yeah, Jesse Jesse, Jesse is kinda... more to the size of your brother Efren. And so he made that sacrifice and made it a little bit at least I gave up a little bit of knee room, but I know you guys were in the worst position. And now that I think about it, I, I mean, I thought <laughs> it didn't even matter how that much night was so nice to me. And yeah. I, but I, I'm like, I think about it. I'm like, if I, I didn't think about you guys' situation going up there. Cause then what about that ride up? Well, there that? it was worse that we hit traffic. Okay. That so traffic we hit, we hit accident. bumper to bumper traffic, but at first everything was going smooth, right? We were making good time. And then we see this, uh, this rider who is on a motorcycle and he is like weaving through traffic uh, very recklessly. Um, and I believe Jaime, you, since you were in the front, you and Carlos like pointed this out and saw this guy driving recklessly. And we're like saying, man, who's this dude? You know, I know you guys made some comment regarding to that. Do you remember? Yeah, Car- Carlos is, uh, you know, he's an avid mor- motorcycle rider. So he saw this guy kind of like swerving He's kind of like zigzagging. Carlos is trying to switch lanes. So he's trying to figure out, you know, what is this dude doing? And he was kind of bothered that he didn't know which way this guy was doing because he was purposely doing this little like zigzag kind of like thing. I don't know what it, what he was up to, or, or maybe he was drunk. Or well, see the the, the yeah. See now that this is bad because suddenly we ran into bumper to bumper traffic, and little did we know as we approached the incident. We saw dude, same dude, on the floor in an accident. And that's just like a whole like, dang, we saw that come in a mile away, you know, Um, one of those kind of moments. And this dude was in, obviously he was in excruciating pain. He was holding his legs or something. He was like squirming on the floor back and forth. There was paramedics there. Remember there was like multiple fire trucks and stuff that like showed up. So many, like seven, I think. Yeah. And, uh, then, then all of a sudden hysterically, like his wife or somebody, this, 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 this lady is driving crazy in an SUV pulls up all like about out of hell, like out of traffic. I don't even know how she weaved through traffic. Anyway, she pulls up, she gets out of the car. I don't know how the call was made. And we see this whole scene like unravel of like, dang, like do not play around on a bike, you know? So uh, that's the yeah, lesson, yeah. I guess, of the day in that. But hopefully the guy was all right. Um, 
Your thoughts about that, Jaime? It, it, it was kind of a bummer to see that. Um, but, man, man and, you know, it was just kind of crazy how epic how she pulled up. We saw, we, like, witnessed her pull up and, like, kind of get off on the freeway and run to the scene. And I was uh, just thankful that it wasn't I involving us because we almost yeah. left a little bit earlier than when we did. Yeah, good thing we weren't involved. We could have been involved there in that. There quite you know? a few cars involved. Probably yeah. Probably four or yeah. five, maybe six cars. Yeah, and then that would have just ruined the whole Laker game. Can you imagine? Oh, that would have ruined that whole night. So anyways, we had a yeah. good time. The Lakers got a W. We had a good experience. Um, you know, we pre-gamed it, and we had a we had a dope experience. Um, Westbrook had a lot of assists that night, although he couldn't really make the bucket. But, you know, he he did contribute in some sort of way. They got the W at the end of the day, which was the most important Man, thing. We, we, were, saw, uh, we saw the Grizzlies versus the Lakers. Um, yeah, their point pretty. guard was sick. John Morant, man, that guy. He's the real deal. Special. It, it wasn't pretty. It was, it was, it was a battle. But like, like we said, we, we wanted that win. Um, you and know, we brought we that feel energy. Like, I remember Kobe talked about that. Los Angeles is a city that demands um, greatness. Greatness, exactly. Chips. Like we, we, we don't, you know, we don't have time to sit back and like, we, we don't do the the rebuilds and all that. Like, like even though Jim Buss kind of, or Junior, uh, you know, Jim Buss kind of screwed us with that era where he was kind of. Who knows what he was doing, but shout out to Genie <laughs> for yeah. getting things right. Yeah. Um, get Ron, getting Rob Palenka. It took a like, lot of moves. You know, it took Cole, a lot of moves to get Cole. us back to greatness, which I feel yeah, like yeah, we're yeah, actually exactly. on that track now. Whereas before we were in a pit of hell, like we could not get out for anything. Um, speaking of greatness, though, um, in the news recently, speaking of greatness and, you know, America's striving to be great right but anyways um recently in the news this is what we wanted to talk about in this episode um there has been sort of a dilemma in the uh, house of congress and in the senate Um, and it's all revolving around these bills that are very very important to biden's um presidency and uh these bills consist of two um, reconciliation bills. One bill is for the infrastructure. I think most people all agree, you know, on that. Um, But the second bill is the one that's causing a a little bit of a problem. And the reason why it's causing a problem, Jaime, is because in this bill, there's a lot of progressive values in it. Uh, Progressive values such as, uh, and this is part of Biden's presidency, what he's been campaigning on, you know, um, free uh, community college tuition, um, uh, also uh, universal uh, child care. Um, there's uh, initiatives for businesses to go green. Um, and what else? There is there's a lot of things that are in here that are um, going to help the American people. Right. Um And the problem is that right now, even though the Congress is unified and they're all backing Biden, the problem is our Senate is split in half, 50% being Republican, 50% being Democrats. Well, Kamala Harris can break the divide, but there's two independents who are moderate Democrats who are on the fence with everything. And they basically now have the power to veto this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like Biden's presidency hangs in the balance over these two U.S. senators. 
you know, uh, so that's the dilemma that we're in right now. Um, and what I wanted to ask you is, you know, we've obviously seen a change in our Congress and that change has to deal with progressive values before things were more ran by moderates, but now it seems like progressives have, or more like the left wing side has more of a say so in this. And that's very evident in these new bills by all these like very, uh, I'm not going to say radical, but, but very different, um, very different changes that are really going to impact America, I think, Mm -hmm. and the problems that we're facing now. So do you agree? Do you think that we are seeing a progressive shift in politics? Do you think that is something that we've really seen or not? Well, for sure, it's it's being brought up, um, you know, with Biden. He knows, you know, going up against people like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, mm. that a lot of the the voices in America right now in politics are, are young voices. Young people have a progressive, you know, ideal. They have progressive ideals. They have progressive ideas. And I know he knew to overcome somebody as big, as influential as Trump, he needs to get these people on his side. And Biden has always been good at, at trying to play a lot of sides and, and keep people happy. And uh, he, he was being strategic in letting the, some of the progressive uh, ideas go into his, his, um, his plan. So he's trying, he, he's trying to, I think, be smart and, and understand that. Uh, that the young people in America right now are, are thinking in a progressive way and he's trying to get them he's trying to he's trying to give them ex- like what they want he knows he knows what they want he saw the numbers with Bernie people that follow Bernie people that follow Elizabeth Warren he knows uh, people I mean there's other people too like um, oh uh, Andrew Yang Andrew Yang and um, Pete Pete Buttigieg Buttigieg and you know and, and there's there's different voices in the, in the Democratic Party, and uh, some of them are progressive, uh, and the young people are gravitating towards that. And I think he's he's being smart, he's being strategic, he's been in politics a long time. Yeah, I, I definitely see a change yeah. for sure. You he know, knows I he think, has to cater to them. Yeah, I, I think it's right now, especially even more evident um, that we are seeing more uh, of a different. Uh, demographic coming into Congress, even as representatives. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're seeing a lot more of that. I definitely think that we are starting to see a new gospel for Democrats. I think that has arrived because obviously, you know, the gravity for Democrats has shifted now. Um, And even though, yes, uh, Biden himself, I think he even considers himself more moderate. And even... um, even Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi is more moderate, but even she knows that mm-hmm. she kind of has to um, compromise with woman. the left. Yeah, she has to know. She, she, you know, she's wise enough to know that that the, the, the political scene is changing. You know, it's not her. Um, it's not like it wasn't her and or Joe Biden's early days, where where the, where the where the country was much more, like you said, moderate. Uh, now that we're seeing much more progressive ideas being brought forward. And I think it's because of, you know, the rise of the millennials are now in 
positions where some of them are, are in very powerful positions now. Mm-hmm. And now then you have the generation after millennials and, and, and even there, they're getting up there. They, you know, they're in school right now. They're getting their degrees and their masters. So, it, you know, it's, it's becoming a younger world where we're seeing, but it's, it's interesting that we're still at a crossroads because we still see a lot of the old school and the older era, especially with, with some of these political offices that have no term limits. So there's people there that have been there. Have been there for a while. Since yeah. they've been in there. So it's like, you know, and then they don't have to leave until they're done, you know, until they check out. So, yeah, it's, it's an you know, interesting it, time. It is, it, also, it is also interesting because now that Nancy Pelosi even has to kind of compromise here with, with I guess, the general body of, of, um, of the Democrat side, you know, that even in some turn puts some of their more moderate Democrats, I think, a little at risk because, you know, each each person who's um, a representative, they have to rerun, you know, for election again. And if you mm-hmm. start to, depending on what you're doing, if you start to be, right. let's picture like a moderate, right, who starts to be a little bit more progressive, mm-hmm. you know, that might change voters minds to whether or not they're going to vote for you again. So it kind of puts them a little at risk too. Um, considering now that they're bringing more, um, progressive, um, ideals behind this bill, mm. you know, um, and th- those progressive ideals, I think are more so on the side of like, you know, uh, incentivizing, uh, companies to go green and, to pull away from uh, fossil fuels and, mm. you know, different shifts and moves like that, or even the free education um, on uh, the community college aspect or, you know, just on taxes and, you know, who are they going to tax more or uh, drugs. There's a lot of different, you know, things behind these bills, but, you know, it, it representatives in the Congress in Congress have to also think about their voters as well, you know, and and these changes could potentially even put them at risk if their voters didn't necessarily vote them to um, to apply themselves this way or to vote for these type of bills or initiatives, you know. So it even puts them at risk. Not saying that's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that that's something that they have to also think about because they have yeah, to do they have sure. to rerun again against no, Republicans. For sure. And that's a very wise thing to bring up because we are. In a, in a democracy where, where, in theory, you know, the, the people, we the people, the people have the voice in a democracy where, where the voters go out. So it's, I always thought of it from the, I always saw it, looked at it from the um, outside looking in, like looking at conservatives and how a lot of, a lot of these Republicans are, are forced to kind of like follow Trump's ideals in order to get those votes, in order to stay in office. And I never thought of the way you brought up where, where now it's happening kind of on a democratic side. And for the, you said, like the moderates, like Pelosi or these other older Democrats, like they're going to have to be, they're going to, they're going to have to, they're going to be put in a position where they're going to have to, you know, choose, choose a direction where they're either going to stay moderate or they're going to go more progressive. Exactly. I think it's better for them to go more progressive because you have to fight fire with fire because the Republicans, a lot of these these governors and senators they're gonna they're gonna do the trump the trump things to stay in office because you know ultimately the people have the power with the votes you know um, recently votes recently they they took a little l because in virginia they lost an election to a republican 
Um, I've seen I, I I've seen a lot of a lot of uh, offices were one. I think uh, Stacey Abrams won an office, right? Oh, okay, I didn't In know Georgia. that. Georgia, okay. I think she got I think she got senator. Oh wow! You know, I think it's a result yeah. of this. I, uh, I think it's a result of this gridlock, though, because right now they're having trouble getting this bill passed or how they're going to go about getting this bill passed. First of all, they're doing it as a reconciliation bill, which eliminates the possibility of a filibuster. And so they're doing it in a way where it can pass, right? It's nowadays it's hard to get a bill passed. Let's just be honest. Right, yeah. It is freaking hard to get anybody more, to agree. More divided than ever, Especially in this hyper, yeah, partisanship type era it's super hard to get a bill passed so so first of all they made it into a reconciliation bill so that way it would eliminate the possibility of a filibuster but the problem is that senate split half half and half so you're giving now all this veto power to like two particular people who are on the fence of everything and this guy uh one the guy's name is joe manchin and the other one's Kristen uh, Sinema? Chris, Kristen. So they're both basically holding this thing up. And, you know, what I think is crazy is like one of them, Kristen, she's not even explaining what her problem is really. She's kind of more like no comment on it or uh, – I don't even think she's really giving her opinion. She's not really giving her feedback as to what would convince her or what would win her over. As Joe Manchin, he's at least giving that, but just single-handedly, he has brought uh, the the funding down significantly. So before it was like more and just, he brought it down almost in half to what they were going to fund which is just crazy, ridiculous. Like this guy single-handedly did that. So you're talking about these things that would dramatically impact America for the better, I think, personally. I have to say that because I can't speak for everyone. So I personally think that it would have a, 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 a lasting impact for everybody. But the problem is that he doesn't want to tax billionaires that much so he he's okay to do it but it has to be lower or drop down a bit i guess mm-hmm. uh, that's my lamest explanation of it but in other words he just doesn't want to tax billionaires he doesn't want to give handouts that's his problem mm-hmm. he doesn't want to keep giving handouts and he goes you know if you're comparing this to the new deal uh fdr he he made it in a way where you have to work for your buck he didn't just give handouts and I get what he's saying, but, you know, realistically, we're facing a lot of challenging problems right now. You know, we just got out of COVID, right? We, uh, we're we having a, a serious problem with a hiring, uh, a hiring drought because people didn't see any, they weren't incentivized to go to work. So a lot of people um, were not working. Um there's been a slowdown. So inflation is a problem. Um, there's been a slowdown at our ports with goods yeah. and everything. Yeah. So we obviously have problems. There's problems with childcare. There's a lot of problems that are going on. And so right now we need answers. I think as American people, we need answers. And 
it's all hanging in the balance of whether or not this this uh, build back better uh, bill can get passed or not. And one or two people are holding it up. Yeah, I mean, your per- thoughts personally, uh, I'm, I'm well, you know, being aware of, of the fact that, you know, half of the country is very conservative. I know it's going to be hard for some of these bills to get passed. But if there is a, like you mentioned earlier, a paradigm shift of, of where, you know, we're seeing Biden put these people into power, he's, he, or we're seeing this, this change, I personally want to see whether or not it's possible because I personally feel it's going to be tough with, uh, with, with half the country or half of these senators being very conservative. And like we said, I, I think personally they're, they're trying to, you know, cater to their voters and, and what they want. And a lot of it is leaning towards what Trump and the Republican party and, uh, the administration before the Biden administration was, was doing, which was, you know, not, not doing any, any of this stuff with climate change, with, with, um, you know, trying to, trying to give people any kind of help because of, of, of the, the, uh, so-called, uh, lack of, of funding, lack of, of money. But then it's interesting when you think about all these bailouts they did for these banks, all this money they gave yeah. to these companies to, to not go under and to keep them in, you know, uh, afloat. So it, it makes you think like, what's really going on? Is this really a, a country where it's like, we're, we're thinking about the people or is it a corporation where, hmm. but I think we all know that America's always been a capitalist, a capitalist country. It's not pretty. You know, we have, I think, the highest, some of the highest rates in a lot of things. Yeah. Not, not so good. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm speaking very candidly to you. Mm-hmm. Being raised, you know, being raised, I think, more Republican-leaning. Um, the understanding that I had as a child growing up into my teenage years about the Republican Party and about capitalism has always been, well, it's always been on this idea that why should we be taxed more if we, if we created jobs or if we had this billion dollar idea, why does somebody need to be punished for, for, for that idea or for being uh, innovative or for figuring out something that first that nobody was able to do or, you know, why should that person be taxed more? But I see a flaw in that idea, though. Me personally, as an adult now, I see a flaw in that idea. Whereas before, I didn't see a flaw in that idea because as a young, as a young man, I had a dream myself that maybe one day I can create something that would make me a billionaire or whatever, and I don't want to be taxed more. But coming to an adult now, I understand that that isn't always the case for the average American. You know, the average person... There's not, it's very far and few between a person that is going to actually be able to do it and that does it. Not saying that I won't ever do it either. I'm not counseling myself out or doubting myself or what I can do or what I'm capable of. But what I'm saying is, realistically speaking, for the average American, you know, it doesn't make sense that somebody is poor sleeping on the streets where another person has significantly amount of 
uh, of access to whatever they want by any means because they are just way more wealthier and have so much more privilege because of that Mm -hmm. that I think it's just not fair. Um, That has become my, I guess, evolution as an adult when I look at at these problems. And I think, yeah, if you're making more, you should... You should do your part and contribute back then to uh, the system that you made it out of and help those who are in need. Um, that is my personal evolution of thought on that um, as I speak candidly with you and my audience. Um, and I realize that not everybody's going to agree with me. Some people are going to have their own opinions about it. And I respect and would like to hear your opinion about it. Um but that is just a personal opinion of mine as I've grown older now in my years that I've come to now agree with that. I think, you know, for, for these programs and things that we want to do, why not have those who are making or those who are billionaires kick in more to help in these things. So Joe Manchin, you know, he doesn't accept the higher taxes on billionaires. So that's his problem. He doesn't want there to be higher tax on billionaires to fund this uh, this bill because basically they got to figure out a way to fund this. Right. It's half a trillion dollars. I don't know how much it is in total, but. Half a trillion dollars. OK, so here's the breakdown of it. So there's three core, core components. There's about half a trillion dollars for child care um, and working parents. And then there's another half another half a trillion for green jobs and three quarters of a trillion in smaller projects, um, which would be like, I don't know, like infrastructures and different stuff like that. So there's a lot of money that's going to be needed here and they have to figure out a way to fund that. Um, and Biden, he, um, he says that it's going to come out of, um, tax revenues and cuts of other programs. You know, that's his promise to the American people. So, that enables now Manchin and um, Kristen to basically control this uh, because they don't want it to be taxed so much on the billionaires. And Kristen's problem is she doesn't support the um, reform for uh, prescription drugs, the prices and stuff like that. She doesn't support that reform. But where else are you going to get the money from, Right. If we if we look back, and I'm sorry to talk so much, but just one quick example. If we look back at the um, at FDR's days, there was a prohibition where you couldn't buy alcohol, and you know they realized that well, let's just make this legal, and let's 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 use the revenue off of this and fund some programs, you know. So I think it makes sense to get funds from things like this. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Simon, on that? I mean, yeah, it, it comes down to, you know, what do you believe? Do you believe? Where do you where do you believe the money is coming from? Because if like if, if there's like what, for, what do you example, what do you where, I mean, where would you expect the money to come from? Or what would you suggest that it come from, you think? I mean, it, it's hard to say, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're we're seeing a lot of uh, well, like you have this in theory, well, this idea where like 
like for example, a bank, right? A bank is going to have the ability to make the money back that you're going to give to them. Whereas like these people, but then again, it's kind of like saying, okay, if you're willing to bail out a bank, but you're not willing to give people, people, these services and these, these, uh, benefits, it's saying that you're not really believing in the potential of, of the American people that are on the lower spectrum of, 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 you know, finances and, yeah. and income. You're saying that if you don't, if, if you give these people services and you help them out, give them a hand, they're not going to be able to contribute to society and help bring the economy up by, um, you know, either, either becoming more successful and buying more products or, or becoming educated and inventing something that's going to help the country. You know, you're kind of not believing in the American people if you're not willing to help those that need to help the most. If your argument is like, oh, there's no, there's no return in that investment of giving poor people these services. You're basically saying, I don't believe in these people. I don't believe that these people can do something with their lives and, and grow to be billionaires one day, just like someone else did. And that's the whole you know, idea of like, if there's billionaires in the world, we're allowing billionaires to exist, but at the same time, we're allowing poverty to exist worldwide. We're allowing people to starve to death, but we're allowing billionaires to exist. It, it basically says, are you a shitty person or not? That's what it comes down to. Because if you want to be by the book and be very uh, hardcore, you can be like, yeah, oh, it's a fine, it, it, it's a capitalist world. If you have the money to, if you have the ability to get super, super rich, you should be able to. I see. But I think... if you want to be like that, you're kind of being kind of fucked up, but you can because it's set up that way where capitalism is, is embraced. But at the same time, poverty exists. And it's like, it creates this dilemma. where like, are you going to be this person that's super hardcore to the book where it's like, Hey, you know, capitalism is is a thing. So I'm able to be a capitalist mm -hmm. or are you going to be like people would say a decent human being and have some kind of remorse and, and compassion and empathy for people that are, are struggling and they're dying and they're suffering. You know, it comes down to that. It's a very, um, it's a very difficult problem because in one hand, capitalism does incentivize innovation and it incentivizes new ideas, new technology. Um, it incentivizes, uh, people to invest and to make money. Um, it gives you a dream of opportunity. I mean, who doesn't want the opportunity to, to make it overnight, you know, and to be well beyond your means. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people think about or dream about, you know, who doesn't want to make a million dollars or be a billionaire. I mean, we had a show called who wants to be a millionaire, um, or, uh, or, uh, what is it called? Uh, deal or no deal. Like we have a lot of these money making shows because it's just, it's something ingrained in us where it's like, we want to like make it quick. You know, it's part of this capitalist nature in us. That's, that's 
some of it is not good. Um, there's obviously some problems in capitalism. You know, how do we address those problems is a good question. Um, you know, and that's partly some people have done it. That's where you have the whole uh, philosophy of uh, Karl Marx and um, and his thoughts about the problems he saw in capitalism and uh, how he he thought uh, how he thought it should be, and he proposed his solutions to that. And we've seen um, we've seen economies take on those those thoughts and how that how that works. I personally do not agree that that is the solution totally his theories of it or his solutions but i do recognize that there is a problem with capitalism and you know some people have a hard time saying that especially a republican if you're if you're a republican and you say uh capitalism there's something wrong with it it's like that you're like basically worshiping the devil you're you're making some really good points with that because uh yeah, when you talk about helping the poor, then words like socialism and communism are brought up, right? Right. So right. it is it is a a tough thing to to propose, but you know I I think if, at the time we're living in right, it, politics has to reflect the the current state of times and currently I, I think I don't think we're I think we're 20 years away but I think America has a very very progressive future it's just that right now we're, we're still in an era where you have a lot of the older the older folks in Congress and, and the government but I think as you, as we go towards the future some of these things but then again you know you have people that are that are also carrying the ideals of their parents and their and their grandparents and, and there's there's going to always be i think a divide in america but the more i think we get into the future the more the more progressive some things will get so it's just going to be you know, interesting to see like how how quickly does it happen and how how it's going to affect america like what's going to happen after mm-hmm. I definitely think I I definitely think that what this is showing us the story about, you know, this bill getting passed or not, whether it gets passed or not, it's obviously evident that there is a shift, um, a paradigm shift in our politics where we're starting to see um, a more progressive body than we did in years past. And. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing and I'm a Republican. So that's why I say that. Um, but I, I do think that it is here as far as, uh, and it, it, it does parallel to some extent the new deal and FDR's time because, because it's things that will make lasting impacts like right now, our child care, uh, the way it's set up is, I think, way behind compared to other countries as far as like their benefits for child care. Um, you know, and I've seen it actually be a problem for the workforce. You know, I work in a large retailer and I know that it 
is a struggle for uh, for those who are trying to work and watch their kid, and it costs like almost like a house payment just to have someone watch their kid on the regular, you know. Um, so that's just an that's just a problem I'm sure everybody's experiencing. So to some degree, like that's going to be a big impact. Now the problem is that this. Um, this would only last for about three years for the funding for the childcare system. And then after that, the state is supposed to kick in, I believe like 10%. Um, so the problem with that though, is that the state could easily not do that. Just like how they neglected to do that for the uh, expansion for Obamacare. Um, so, but see the progressives hope is that it will become so popular and so proven that they will, vote for it like ongoing that it will be an ongoing thing an ongoing need to forever change uh how we support parents because right now the support for parents it's uh like i said is behind compared to other countries um now joe manson's take is that well we can't just give out handouts that's his problem and in one sense i understand that but in some senses, right now, yeah, I would consider it more like a relief, if anything, because it it's trying times right now, and especially for childcare. So, in particular, with that, mm-hmm. um, what do you feel about? I wanted to ask you, Jaime, what do you feel about like the whole fossil fuel and and uh, you know uh, like going green and incentivizing companies to pull away from fossil fuels and stuff like that. I didn't really know your take on that. Well, personally, I, I think it would be, I think it would be a good thing, but um, you know, your modern uh, conservative wouldn't think that considering that a lot of them are tied in with some, some of these oil companies and um, it's not in their best interest to shy away from that. Uh, although I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the crypto market and I know that for example, that, that has a, a, a real need to go green. There, there's, there's been some negative uh, feedback coming from some of the, the consequences of mining, things like Bitcoin. It, it, it requires a lot of energy, and there's been some it's kind of foul play going on with, with, a, with a lot of the mining going on with that and some of the consequences it has caused. So I, I think going green is a good thing, but at the same time, you know, I'm a... I'm a realist and I understand that it's, it's going to be tough in America to turn America green because of, of the size. I mean, you think about it, 50 states, you know, they're proposing 52 with D.C., Puerto Rico or other states. But there's a lot of territory and there's a lot of uh, divide in, in, in the ideals that people have. Uh, some cities are, are bigger than others. Some of them have you know, better education than others. So it's, it's going to always be a tough country to govern the United States because, um, I mean, we're you know. just, let's be honest, we're big time consumers and we abuse the hell out of it in anything. Um, I think that's just like, you know, America's perception, even from the outside, but even internally, I feel like that let's just I be honest that's what it is, is like that yeah, yeah yeah it's not just us but i think just the world it's like we're all um uh, but 
what what I what I trip about is kind of like how the right the, the the amount of people that actually vote compared to the people that don't vote mm-hmm. is so different. So you can say like those those two people in Congress that are kind of holding things up that could kind of be the American people in a way because a lot of people are un, undecided. There's a lot of people that don't participate in the political process. They don't vote. They don't register to vote. They don't participate. They don't believe it, it matters. But there's a large amount of people that feel that way. So you're saying, like, in other compared, words, it, it might represent the right. I think, the general public. Yeah, I think we don't really know what America is or who America is because a lot of America is not participating, right? And you understand, you can understand where they're coming from. I was one of those people before, until I started to find it feel a certain way, to where, excuse me, where I had to participate, form your and, opinions, and, say, and you know, yeah. say my voice. But there's still many people that don't participate and it's um no no i get it yeah Yeah, i think you're right i mean i think so and i hate to admit it but i myself was like one of those people who didn't participate previously when i was younger and um you know i i regret that you know but i now at least appreciate and understand the importance of it you know Mm -hmm. because it is important we we have um to show up yeah, we have to show up. We have to make our, uh, you know, heard. forgive the cliche, but our voice, our voice count. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I did, I did want to ask you because with with the whole going green thing and pulling away from fossil fuels, you know, what did you think about Trump going the opposite direction and like and bringing back coal mining and and just like going full force fossil fuel and like. <laughs> Going completely the other way, uh, and what did you think about that at the time? I mean, I wasn't surprised. Um, I know he's gonna. He's always. I mean, when he got involved in politics, he knew when you're you're gonna you're gonna be a politician, you're gonna have to be political. You're gonna have to. You know, choose a side. He chose a side. He chose the side of of your average Republican person of power from the south and even though he's a guy from queens new york he's he's he's, he's lived in a, in a liberal state his whole life he's i'm sure um but at the end of the day he, he's a rich he's he's had money he's touched large amounts of money so he's going to lean towards the republican side of things and i think he knew when he got involved in politics that he kind of had to 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 cater to that side and he's catering he catered to them in a sense where like, you know, we're good old boys. We're going to keep things the same way. We're going to bring back coal mining. We're going to, you know, climate change isn't real. That's all, that's all like, you know, uh, bullshit. And, and, and they're going to do what they've always done because it's made money. It's made billions of dollars. And, and to him, you know, he's not the youngest guy either. So he's going to, he's going to help his buddies out that have always been there. He's from that old era. You know, he's from the eighties. He's, He's had money in the 80s, money in the 90s, so right. he has lost some money too, but he's always been in that kind of circle, so I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised when he did that. <laughs> uh, I think it was a very political move, obviously. He's yeah, trying, for he's, sure. He's trying to keep those guys happy. and For sure. And he's trying to stay in power, and he did everything he could to... Do you to, remember he was trying to even use power. that against Biden a little bit, saying 
that uh, that uh, Biden was going to eliminate those jobs and whatnot. He was trying to get Biden to slip up on that. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, yeah. did you know that there was an oil spill recently in in Newport Beach? Did you? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that, and that's uh, another thing that you know that that me personally makes me against the whole fossil fuel thing is that it's so so harmful, and we need our oceans. We need. You know, uh, our sea creatures, we need yeah, all of it. it. It's yeah. already been, we've already done so much damage. And it's like, and, and there's so many different types of energy sources out there that, you know, personally, I can, I can, I can go on for days about, you know, what I think we should be doing with, um, with energy. But I know that, you know, the, the scene right now is obviously it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a clash between the the people that have always been there, the conservatives that want to keep things the way that, that they've always been. Yeah. And and the people that are that are trying to like people like Al Gore who started this whole movement about climate change who want to um, bring forth this idea that you know, we're doing a lot of damage and it's time for us to reverse that damage and start to What what happens when it's too late though? Cuz there's some that are saying that it's already too late. Like, even right now, we're still, like, even if we were to start catching up and doing the right things and get, you know, America on board and convert it over, even now it's still too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what do you think it'll be like when we see the results of this climate change really happen for, like, the future generation? Like, what do you envision it be like? I mean, I think that's a tough question, but... Well, like you said, uh, some of the things that that they talk about are already too far gone to the point where we're no matter what like you said no matter what we do like we're already seeing some kind of extreme things with the weather and you know there is that that debate of whether or not it's a a real thing or whether it's it's always been like this but there's definitely uh different things going on with it with the climate i've just read something the other day about how in 2030 a lot of uh major cities could be underwater and uh, so, you know, we're going to really see what happens with, I think, within this next decade. Mm-hmm. Even of, like, of, a, you know, I think you could even start to see like slow extinctions uh, of creatures or animals or things like that slowly die off, even like under our watch or like even under oh, our yeah, nose, like we wouldn't sure. even know it. Like all of a sudden, certain creature is extinct um, as a result of the weather or climate changing. Um, I think particularly like in the deserts are desert areas, that whole, mm-hmm. the whole, uh, life, uh, like creature life has too. been like almost absent compared to where it yeah. was. The polar bears are really getting screwed over. Cause I, I hear a lot of them don't have that ice they used to have to be able to go hunt and kill seals. Now they got to swim and water and all of them are dying of hunger. Cause they're kind of like getting tired of swimming around. Yeah. They it's interesting. Have, they used to have ice to walk on. Now there's no eye. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I think if, of if like polar, polar bears go extinct for sure. Yeah. Climate change is real. But I'm like, I'm thinking like polar bears. I'm thinking like yeah. end of the world type stuff like Interstellar. Have you seen that movie? Interstellar? I haven't, but okay. I heard it's good. It, Interstellar yeah. is a really good movie. I recommend you see it. Um, it shows to the point where everybody on the world has to leave because the world is that bad. Mm. Like, you know, there's, um, there's like, Sounds I guess, like famine. There's just heavy. like no food, no crops anymore. Like they can't grow nothing. Um, the weather is horrible. They all have to leave. And so the thing is like, they're all 
on this spacecraft and they all take off or whatever. And, um, I can't tell you the rest of the movie, but it's a good ass movie. Like you should check that out. But it, I, I envision like, dang, what will it be like when like it actually hits the fan and like everything that we've been talking about on climate change actually happens. And it's like yeah. too freaking late, you know, that's pretty crazy to think about, you know? Um, but I understand, you know, the other side of it where people are like, well, all they hear is scientists, scientists say, okay, which scientist who's saying this, you know, well, the general consensus of scientists say, well, who is this? Who is saying what? So I understand why it might not be, um, so apparent to the general public because all they're getting is scientists say, and not seeing it like the actual, um, evidence. They're not like, they're not in class basically. Right. They're not, they're not trained up to this scientific knowledge or up to the standard of like, this is why exactly that they're, it's not very obvious to them. So a lot of people are having a hard time believing that. Um, and I, I don't know how much that is, but I'm just saying I can understand why somebody might not buy it per se. But the problem with that though, is you don't buy it and then it happens. Then what? Like there's no plan. And I think either way, whether, even if it weren't real, it's still good to get off a of fossil fuel and have other sources of energy. Either way, it's still a good thing to move that way. Um, you know, I think of economies such as Japan, you know, I think they're very smart and I think they're very clean and they just are so savvy with the way they do technology and the way they run things, you know? And I'm like, why can't we be on that level instead of exploiting a resource to the point where Mm. we're killing off our own like life or creatures around us? I think of like Easter Island where the rumor is or the story is that they used up their own resources to the point where they all died off and everybody was eliminated because they used up all their resources for these statues, right? Or these monuments or the heads of their ancestors. But, you know, I, I, I say either way, go ahead. Could have been disease. Could have been disease too. Exactly. It could have been disease. It could have. Yeah. It's, it's kind of more like a less one of these mysteries of the world of what happened there. But, um, but yeah, I think either way, whether it's true or not, we should still move off of that because it's cleaner. It's smarter. It's better. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of other reasons, but I know fossil fuel is effective and and very dense. So that's why we use it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think long-term, if we're going to be smart about things, like we have to move away from it, you know, but I don't know, like, you know, like there are some people that are very old school. They like to hear the sound of their motor. You know, they like to feel that like, and they don't like the electric non sound of a car, you know? So there's that aspect. Like like what you were saying earlier though, with um, how you, you changed the way your perspective was of like how you saw, the world um, from like a financial stand, mm-hmm. stand standpoint Let, let's say for the average or, or a poor person a poor person they, they don't have no they don't have the ability to buy a tesla or or a hybrid you know they're gonna they're gonna be able to they're gonna buy the cheapest car they can they're, or the, right. the, the, 
best right. car they can afford. Yeah, you're right. So from a necessity standpoint, a lot of the world still, unless you're like in one of those cities where like you can take a bike to work, like there are some some major cities where there's a lot of people who take bikes and stuff like that. But for the most part, a, good point. a lot of people need vehicles. A lot of people need cars. And, and like if we look at the numbers of, of the amount of people that are in poverty, it's a staggering number. And, and all those people are not going to be able to buy a Tesla. They're not going to be able to buy uh, even a Prius. And they're going to buy, you know, a, a, a gas guzzler that's going to need gasoline. So it comes down to basic necessities. What's, what the, can and, they and, do? And yeah. The world still needs until until we can make like, let's say a five thousand dollar vehicle that's electric that the whole world can buy. Until we get to that point. Uh, I think that it comes down to that because uh, even with America, GM was a huge um, factor in the American economy. Uh, still is uh, the the motor industry, the 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 vehicle industry still is a huge factor for the world economy. You know, Japan is a big player, America, Europe, and. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the vehicle companies are leaning towards an electric future. A lot of them have made contribute or commitments to be fully electric by certain years. So I'm just interested personally to see if they make a vehicle that's affordable for the average um, or average person in the world to afford to be able to get to work. Because that's going to be the huge. That's going to be the game changer. The huge changer because it comes down to the people in the world who are utilizing these goods and services and buying these products, vehicles. And if the majority of them are poor and the, the average cheap car is not electric, it's not hybrid, it's going to be a gasoline mm-hmm. burning car mm-hmm. until we can get to the point where we can offer people in Bangladesh or Madagascar or Congo or Nigeria or Guatemala, a vehicle they can buy for two thousand dollars or a thousand dollars, maybe five hundred dollars, U.S. dollars. Until we can get to that point, um, I think yeah, fossil fuels is going to be around. Unfortunately, because of that, because of poverty. See, and I think all these big ideas that we're talking about here, and we're just scratching the surface, honestly, on the things that are included in these bills, Um, but. These big ideas, I think, remind me of the time of FDR. And the reason why I say that, excuse me, the reason why I say that is because in after the roaring 20s or whatever, after, and the reason why they got in this problem is because they were using credit. They were buying things on credit. The general public was buying things on credit. They didn't have enough to back that up. Eventually, the market crashes. Boom. And Hoover's president at the time, uh, 1930 to... 33, I'm going to guess somewhere around there. Um, and he was president at this time and, uh, and he, he was a Republican. He had this policy of like, well, the market will just pick itself back up. You know, that's the way the market does. It'll just correct itself. You know, I don't have to really get involved and I'm not saying I'm just summarizing here just generally. Um, he didn't have that belief. Um, it wasn't part of him to like really take charge or he didn't believe in in big government quotations. He didn't believe that the government should get involved or that it was on the government to, 
to pull everybody out, right? And so people voted for FDR because he he was all about experimentation, um, trying new things to bring the American public out of, out of this rut that we were in. And he was one to act fast on that. And they saw that he delivered. They even have a term for it, the first 100 days or whatever. Um, FDR was able to quickly deliver. So one of the problems was that the banks, um, the banks weren't able to handle everybody coming in trying to pull out money, trying to withdraw. They couldn't handle it. Um, so one of the things FDR did, he he put a stop. He put a four day holiday to the banks to all close. Everybody closed down, and then they did some um, reform to bring in regulations for banks and to bring some relief and to close banks that weren't um, adequate or weren't uh, running things efficiently enough to actually hold up. And so they closed those banks. Um, And then they were able to reopen the banks. And then he, he urged the American people to put their money back into the banks and slowly got things back up and running again. And then he started putting together um, or started campaigning that the only thing to fear is fear itself. That's like the big quote from him. And um, obviously he had to work with Congress and they got so many bills passed, dude, which is just so crazy now because like now that's just like unheard of now. Um, And that's part of his legacy. They got the New Deal passed, which incentivized or was programs to help um, to help the American people get back to working uh, again. And it was on projects such as bridges, dams. The Hoover Dam was a big part of that. Um, bridges in New York. I believe San Francisco is one as well. Um, and it was a big lasting impact that that had. Some say that it wasn't just a decade. That even reached from the 1930s to the 1970s. Like that's how big of a deal it was at the time. Um, and then he also launched the Social Security Act, um, unemployment insurance uh they they put together like a basically a way for workers to unionize and uh negotiate for their compensation uh so many changes that we still see today and that we just like kind of take for granted that came out of the new deal and you know i know joe biden is very excited and he's comparing the build back better or build better excuse me, build back better, uh, build as the same as the new deal and the great society. But honestly, I think that at the time in comparison, the new deal is incomparable, you know, uh, what that did, how that changed things dramatically. Um, but Mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, what we are seeing is a paradigm shift because, you know, Biden also, he has uh, he has also put some people who are known to be very progressive in these uh, high power places. Uh, so he has put somebody in um, who is very anti monopoly, uh, progressive, Lena Khan, <clears throat> to run the Federal Trade Commission. Um, he put somebody to run the Antitrust Division Department who. Uh, is also progressive. Um, another progressive rising star, uh, uh, Rohit 
uh, Chopra to head the Commission Financial Protection Bureau. Um, he's chosen somebody who's also progressive to uh, be in charge of the um, SEC chair. Um, so he's put a lot of people in these spots um, to the likes that we've never seen before. We just, as a country, have never seen the, the most progressives ever in these high position places or offices. So I think, you know, now that he's doing that, there's still a lot to yet to be seen. And it's clear that, that right now, this whole team, they see the world in a different way, much like the way that the new dealers saw it and not the way Bill Clinton sees it. You know what I mean? When you say Bill Clinton, I mean, what do you mean by... Um, uh, well, like Bill Clinton, I think him and Obama, they had... Their presidency was more market-friendly, I think. It was more of like sustaining things, keeping everybody happy, more of the status quo, like just making sure everybody's happy, not being that bipolar or that polarizing, excuse me. Um, and I feel like Bill Clinton was like riding the ship in other words. And I feel like Obama, unfortunately he came into a time when, uh, we had the market crash and he was just trying to restabilize it. You know, he was just trying to make sure things were on track. Mm. And I feel like now under Biden's presidency, even though he is a moderate, he has the backing of progressives to the likes that we've never seen before. And it remains to be seen what that really means. So even though this bill might not pass, I I do believe that we are still going to see even more of uh, these ideals and big changes in policy being attempted, even though it might get shut down by the Senate or whatever. I think, we're going to see that push mm-hmm. for things to be more progressive to the likes that we haven't seen with Bill Clinton, with Obama. It's almost like the FDR era. I think, I think 2024 is going to be a, a big year. You know, it's going to, um, do you, I want to ask you a question. Do you think in 2024 that there is any chance of, uh, Trump making a return? You see that happening? Because I don't answer, think because the answer is no. I don't think so. Then then we're looking at a very progressive next four years, um, because of because I think that's that's what's keeping things from from changing now. But we're in twenty twenty one, three years from now. We're in all you know, and it'll literally be the the day to vote three years from now, November fourth, twenty twenty one. Three years from now will be November twenty four, no, November fourth, twenty twenty four. Uh, and it'll be up for, it'll be, you know, Biden's, um, time to be up for election. Is he going to, is he going to return for another four years? Is there going to be a Republican that's going to replace him? Is there going to be a person that, that, that surfaces? That's going to be a Trump guy that's going to carry Trump's flag. Is it going to be Trump is, you know, what's going to happen with, so, you know, the next couple, the next three years are going to be very, very, uh, crucial to America's future. Um, but I think if 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 the Democrats progressives succeed in in continuing to keep Biden in office, I think there will be 
Uh, because like we saw with Obama, you know, eight years allowed him to, to have a, a little bit more more influence as to what, where America is going. Mm-hmm. That obviously uh, angered the conservative side of the country and gave the you know, created the rise of Trump. Created the Tea Party, um, which then created yeah. Trump. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in 2024. But I think like we, this whole episode kind of sums up where we're at in America, where we're at a crossroads with the progressive thinkers arriving on the scene, the the moderates and the conservatives that are still, you know, from, from the old era, they're still in, in play, they're still in power. So it, it's a... It's an interesting time because you because see this, this clash. They're even starting, and the Republican side is starting their own kind of narrative now again, um, talking about that this this is a result of a, a failed Biden presidency. You know what we're seeing uh, uh, with the problems with uh, the job hiring and problems with inflation, um, even with this bill being in gridlock. Like it's all being put onto Biden. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so we're seeing that narrative being developed. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the Republican narrative freaking works, bro. Um, I know that you can get really influenced, you know, by because by the Republican narrative. Like we said earlier, though, there's a lot of people that don't participate. So a lot yeah. of the American... And uh, I say voter voices are not being being, being voiced. So and, it's and, like, and I say that we don't really I, know what America is. We right. don't really know what America wants to be because a lot of America isn't participating. I say like that I because said, there's a, there's a lot of uh, things going on where where people can get swayed and and their their you know their opinions can change and then mm-hmm. so like I said, 2024 is going to be a big year. Now here here's America. what's changed me, Jaime, because doing the shows actually taught me something because. I was also under the influence for a time being under the narrative from the Tea Party during the Obama administration that, you know, he's bringing us more into debt. And I saw the numbers on him like, yeah, we are more into debt because of Obama. Problem now, though, is because I've been doing the show still. I'm looking still at the economy. And even under Trump, we got even more in debt. In fact, each presidency, we keep getting more and more and more into debt. It doesn't matter if you're Republican mm-hmm. or you're Democrat. We're getting right. into more and more and more debt. So I now understand looking back retroactively, that was just a narrative. They don't care about the debt. We're getting in debt regardless. Mm-hmm. So all this uh, about Obama bringing us more into debt, we're getting more and more and more into debt regardless of Obama or not. Like, you know, so... So, so I threw that out the window, like that was a BS narrative, mm-hmm. you know, and it helped me see that by doing the show because I'm, you know, looking at this stuff now more closely. So that was just an example of how I know these narratives and how they work sometimes, you know. Um, that speaks to the U.S. dollar, though, like, because mm-hmm. you know, regardless of who's in office, I mean, the, the U.S. dollar is supposed to be the, the top currency. One of the top, I mean, we know the London pound is the highest currency, but still, it's supposed to be a major player in, in the world economy. And there's a lot of a lot of talk about inflation and, and the devaluation of the U.S. dollar. 
uh, and then with the amount of debt and the amount of debt owed to China and to Japan. Um, so like, it's interesting what you said about how it doesn't really matter which, which administration is in. It's like, we're still facing the same financial crisis. And, and then on and top of that, we can't get anything passed, yeah. you know, which is, uh, an, something else that I have a problem with. If you can't get anything and that's, and that's the whole thing is like, you know, that's another narrative. Oh, well, Democrats can't get nothing done. You know, if they can't pass this bill, that means they can't get nothing done. That means more Republicans start winning elections because, well, you see what the Democrats are doing. They're not doing nothing. They're fighting with themselves. Same criticism that Republicans received when uh, when Trump was in office, mind you, when they couldn't pass the uh, repeal and replace, you know, health care that they wanted to do. Right. And uh, the House, Congress and Senate were Republicans and couldn't get that done either. So. The fact that we can't get anything done, even if it's all one political party, is a problem, is a problem. To me, it's a problem. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are distracted right now and we're not even or just don't have the time and energy to be like all up in this. And because, you know, politics is a whole freaking monster. It's so convoluted sometimes, you know, but. I do appreciate you being on the show, Jaime, and talking about this with me today because I do feel like it's important and I feel like people got to hear it and got to realize like what's going on. And uh, and today, yeah, that's the deep end, guys. Um, I want to thank you again, Jaime, for uh, being on the show, for helping me out on this one. This one was a tough one to talk on my own um, and no keep no it problem. interesting. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. So for everybody uh, who is on, uh, go ahead, uh, Jaime, actually, before we end it, you have Grimy Dynasty, um, the clothing brand. Like, I want you to just kind of plug yourself and where people could go to find you. Yeah, Grimy Dynasty, the clothing brand is 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 the movement. Uh, we're on Instagram right now, uh, GrimyDynasty.com. We are in the process of uh, revamping our whole company right now. We're, we're gonna, you know, bring forth a new a new kind of movement pretty soon. So a lot of the stuff that that's out right now is kind of like transitional era where we're, we're, we're going to eventually start, start to, you know, bring in this new era. But, um, you know, that's, a, that's on me, you know, being the, the creative director, the designer, there's been a lot of uh, things going on, but, uh, at the end of the day, we're going to always be, you know, committed to, to doing this thing that we started in, in, in 2006 and 2007 and helping Rialto and, and and people like Marcos and Superfucker and Rialto Death Brigade, you know, and people like Yo and Dang, Sonny. Just threw some legendary names you know, out there, we're bro. We're gonna we're gonna continue to keep it going and um, push it push it even further. And you know, we're growing, we're learning, we're like you know, like you mentioned, I had my first my first child this year or, or 2020, and and uh, I'm a new parent, so you know, it's exciting. It's a, it's a new time, but you know, we're we're gonna always continue to. To go hard for for Rialto, for the IE, for you know, for for our fans that, that have always supported Grammy Dynasty, Corsier, Rialto Death Brigade, and even the architects and and the music you know has come in. So uh, look out for um, yeah, the Grammy Dynasty, Corsier, architects. Uh, my my project I'll be putting out on my Instagram uh, at the Real Abstract on Instagram. A B S T R A K. Uh, yeah, so yeah, follow us on there and uh, you. You know, thank you for supporting us always and uh, for letting me come on and uh, 
Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you guys so much. Hope you have a great week. Look out for the videos on Instagram uh, that we post on the Deep End Podcast. You can find us again on the thedeependpod.com. Uh, check us out. I need some comments. I need some followers. I need some love. I need something um, in order to know that what I'm doing is on the right track. So please support. Thank you guys again. Hope you have a nice day. Bye. Let's go.